Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everybody and welcome back once again to the Fuel Better podcast. I am your host as always, Evan Lynch, and today we've got a real interesting episode uh, coming up. It's a topic that I hear about all the time. I have athletes in my clinic every week struggling with this. It is iron deficiency and anemia, the most common nutrient deficiency in the world that tends to plague athletes and destroy their performance. So this episode is going to go through the ins and outs behind how it occurs, how we can manage it and how we can prevent it from happening to you in the first place. You should find this episode really, really interesting. If you do, please share it with a friend, like, leave a review and all that jazz. we actually get into today's episode just to put it out there I will be taking on a couple of clients in March and if you have some summertime goals this might be something you might want to look at Uh, limited spaces only I will be taking the summer off so if you had planned on working with me leading into the summer March is probably your best chance to get that. We're having another baby the end of June, start of July, and I promised I promised Emma I was going to be around much more, so I'm, I'm curtailing back my online coaching. The clinic will be open all year round, so if you have general questions or queries, you can book into the online clinic. And I've actually attached a link in the show notes here for, for you to do that if you wish. If you do struggle with iron problems, I can really help with that, and... It's, it's something that can be sorted out with a simple chat. Anyways, let's get on with the show. So I suppose when we're talking about iron deficiency, I take it for granted that people know what iron is in the first place or why iron deficiency might actually be a problem. And that might be an overestimation because not necessarily everyone is enough of a nerd to know or care about this stuff. Or if for the for the most part, you don't come across this terminology or problem in your day-to-day life or your work. So before we get into the weeds on this quick biology lesson, iron is a divalent metal. So it's got a two plus charge in it that we have in our body. And effectively, what iron does is it slots into hemoglobin molecules and helps you carry oxygen around your body. I hope I don't need to explain why oxygen is important, but I'm going to anyway. For aerobic performance, one of the main tests that is used to check someone's, I guess, potential or capacity to be a good athlete or your fitness levels is a VO2 max. How much oxygen can you maximally transport around your body per kg of body weight per minute? They measure it in liters. 
we do loads of our training at uh, specifically low heart rates or sometimes in fat-fueled manners to maximize mitochondrial production or adaptation so we can produce more oxygen, more energy at a, at a given intensity. Oxygen for any sport where there's any degree of aerobic capacity involved is key, okay? Really, really important. There are problems, uh, I suppose, outside of sports for iron deficiency. You can have issues with bone marrow. It can cause issues with your heart. If your iron gets low enough, it can cause just your red blood cell count and your hematocrit to be low. That can that can cause problems in terms of circulation. It can cause cognitive functions. And again, just to mention, it's really bad for your heart. On the flip side of the coin, iron metabolism is very tightly regulated. And this, this has a role to play in exercises. Exercise kind of changes the regulation of it in some ways. But the other side of iron deficiency is hemochromatosis, which... I have on good authority happens in uh, incidents of 1 in 80 people in Ireland and 1 in 250 people in Northern Europe where your ability to recycle iron and keep your iron levels steady doesn't really exist and it builds to toxic levels. So as with all things, getting too much or too little iron is bad just in different ways and it's that, it's that good old adage of you just kind of need what you need and no more, no less. So back to iron, back to hemoglobin. Um, when you eat food, okay, there will probably be a certain amount of iron in it. That iron, it's usually uh, not in an absorbable format. Typically, we need the presence of acid, so stomach acid or ascorbic acid, otherwise known to you as vitamin C, can really enhance iron's absorption and our ability to take it in. In our intestinal tract, there is something called a DMT1 transporter, divalent mineral transporter 1, that takes iron from our guts to our blood, basically. Then the iron is brought to our liver, it's brought to our spleen, it's brought to our bone marrow, where we make red blood cells and do everything that we do with iron. We don't need to get too much into the weeds on that. So, iron... As we said, you find it in food. And I guess it will be fair to say that not all iron is created equally, okay? So dietary iron comes in, I guess you could call it three formats. There is heme iron, which is found in meat and kind of animal-based products. We absorb that at a rate of about 20 to 40%. And then there is non-heme iron, which comes from plant-based products like whole grain, cereals, beans, pulses, tofu, cashew nuts, and dark chocolate, we absorb that at a rate of 2 to 20%. The interesting thing is those absorption ranges will change for the person. So if, if you have a near low-end iron status, you will absorb a much higher amount of iron. So there there are tests for this. You, you'll see... Um, transfer and iron binding capacity or you'll see um, saturation measures and the, the harder your body is trying to work the higher those measures will be so if your iron levels are starting to get low you'll absorb a good bit more from the food you're eating than if your iron levels are adequate your body naturally down regulates how much iron you take on board 
because remember too much iron can be bad it can cause liver problems really bad liver damage if it gets uh, built up in your parenchymal cells in your liver it can cause retinopathy neuropathy and it just generally toxic so our body doesn't like to have us have too much iron and i guess this is why you should always get a blood test first and foremost before you ever look at iron supplements which we will come to shortly and the supplements are indeed the third form of iron supplemental iron it's not like what you find in food it's usually ferrous salt or ferrous gluconate of some description and they're usually super physiological so in doses that far exceed what we would find in any normal portion of food anyways that's just a bit of a bit of an outline of iron what it is where you find it what it does um why do athletes tend to be low in iron so this is well researched and it's pretty well understood and what i'm going to do is take two or three minutes here to outline some of the reasons behind iron deficiency or anemia in athletes and what i think of it i should probably outline the difference between iron deficiency and anemia before i do that um you can tell this podcast is being done on the fly because there is zero predefined structure i'm literally just talking off the top of my head here so when we're looking at iron deficiency there's a couple of stages to it your ferritin level is really what tells us whether you're iron deficient or anemic for the most part if your ferritin levels are below 30 micrograms per liter most people will class that as iron deficient ferritin ranges from 12 to 300 micrograms per liter so it's a big range so by the time you're deficient your stores are very very depleted anemia technically kicks in when your ferritin is below 12 and you won't see any changes in your serum hemoglobin levels which is the i suppose the big player in oxygen transport until your ferritin starts to drop near or below the 12 mark and the way to think about how iron deficiency and anemia develop it's slowly over time there's different types of iron in your body you store some in your muscles it's called myoglobin it's not really relevant here you store a good bit uh, just throughout throughout your body uh, in the form of ferritin it's like your storage iron or your backup iron think of it as um, using a credit card if you're short on cash when you go shopping if your iron intake isn't enough you slowly chip away at your ferritin to keep your hemoglobin levels stable so your iron stores could be running low for months and you won't have any tangible symptoms until they're pretty much gone and your hemoglobin starts to drop and then you find it very difficult to walk upstairs or you're exhausted all the time or any number of other not so pleasant side effects and this is again why it's important to do a blood test so iron deficiency is on a spectrum it doesn't happen overnight it's a constant degradation or it's a constant mismatch of intake and output and it's asymptomatic until it's a problem so you need to check it particularly if you've got a high high exercise level you're plant-based or you're a female athlete you need to check that annually or biannually anyways back back to it as they say why would an athlete be more likely to have iron deficiency than a normal person first of all we're going to look at 
some of the things that normal people and athletes have in common and then we look at the extra things that cause athletes to be more likely to have iron deficiency thing number one we lose iron in our sweat so there's there's one thing on average people lose around two milligrams a day if you are a heavy heavy sweater or you just tend to exercise a lot that is just a bigger source of iron loss right there and then okay so typical losses are about two milligrams a day number two if you are female and you have a regular ish or regular menstrual cycle you're going to lose blood once a month once every couple of weeks anyways and iron losses occur from blood so for example another way that someone might have iron losses is if they have a poorly controlled celiac disease and it's causing uh, alteration in your intestines and it bleeds if you've got a stomach ulcer or if you have badly controlled ulcerative colitis piles hemorrhoids and you're losing a decent amount of blood that can disrupt your red blood cell count it can drop your iron levels that's not necessarily a common thing it can just happen to men women athletes non-athletes alike in fact athletes are more likely to have intestinal blood losses um intestinal damage can occur in a long long distance exercise or kind of high intensity duration over a long period of time can cause gi damage but we'll get to that next thing that will likely impact iron levels will be just the other things you have on your plate or that you don't have on your plate so recall that i said iron needs the presence of acid to be properly broken down and absorbed if you are using let's say Rennie Gaviscon or a proton pump inhibitor for whatever reason there are a lot of medical reasons for that you might just have a bit of indigestion and you self-medicate with antacids that can drop the pH in your stomach and it can majorly influence or affect how you absorb iron it drops the bioavailability significantly if you don't think about your meal composition and you have loads of other divalent uh, cations like the the likes of some calcium some magnesium some zinc these things all compete for transport in that dmt1 transporter in your intestinal tract so that's not easy it's like um it's like multiple people trying to squeeze through one door at the same time they can't all fit basically so other metals can negatively impact the presence or the the ability of uh, iron to be absorbed through your intestinal tract that's equally true for athletes and non-athletes alike so these are general dietary factors some other things that massively inhibit your ability to absorb iron would be frequent consumption of tea coffee or green tea these things have very very high amounts of tannins and polyphenols both of which again inhibit your ability to absorb iron to a major major extent and that effect can last for a couple of hours there is one thing you can do to help you absorb iron from a dietary perspective that is include vitamin c when you consume iron so hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass." 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You need either to be taking an iron supplement with vitamin C, and not everybody needs a supplement. We can get to that soon. Or you need to have a iron-rich food with more or less all of your meals are kind of key iron foods. Vitamin C sources, you, you could be talking like a glass of juice, a citrus fruit, some kiwis, three, four strawberries, half a pepper. You could be looking at some cauliflower or broccoli. Those are the, the main, I suppose, known sources of vitamin C. I'm sure there are other foods that are very high in vitamin C. Those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. And you would do well to include those when you have iron-rich foods like your red meats, like your pork, like your offal, veal, chicken, eggs for your animal sources. For plant-based sources then, um, good iron-rich foods would be soya, fortified cereals, fortified breads, spaghetti, actually, believe it or not, dark chocolate, cashews, um mixed beans pulses and lentils those are all excellent iron sources it's just they contain heme iron so the the absorption when it's maximized or optimized isn't going to be much anyways so make sure you do include vitamin c products or foods with those um and lesser lesser known i suppose contributors to iron metabolism and steady iron status would be folate and b12 so again if you don't consume dairy meat eggs fish uh, you're gonna be more likely to have folate or b12 problems Uh, b12 is a very common deficiency in those who are plant-based or vegan or those who do not consume any form of dairy whatsoever easy ways to make sure that your b12 is ticked off you can include some nutritional yeast if you're plant-based, fortified dairy, Belvita breakfast bakes, fortified cereals. Folate will be present in most of those products. Though to really nail your folate down, you're looking at some leafy greens, broccoli on a daily basis. Vitamin A, E and copper also have more minor roles to play, but as long as you have a well-balanced diet with some veggies, some nuts, some seeds, uh, you likely cover your requirements for those. Vitamin E is found in foods that are fortified anyways. So back back to the factors. So we have sweat loss, we have menstrual cycle, we have other dietary determinants. We can look at the fact now, and this is where we might start delving into sports performance. We can look at the fact that um, the presence of hepcidin, something that's released by our bodies um, steadily throughout the day, and it effectively inhibits your ability to absorb iron. Your hepcidin levels rise naturally throughout the day. And I think it'd be fair to say if you were looking at someone's iron distribution, it doesn't necessarily all happen first thing in the morning. It's more so in the latter half of the day. So that that can be relevant. 
Hepcidin is not only, uh, I suppose, released in a diurnal rhythm, so in accordance with your body clock, i.e. steadily rising levels throughout the day. It's also released when you experience inflammation. So it's actually an evolutionary adaptation. When we would get sick as cave people, the pathogens that used to make us sick, like cold and flu viruses or bacteria, metabolize iron for energy. So we developed this kind of hepcidin response that when we have inflammation present, because inflammation is non-specific, and it basically stops us absorbing iron for a couple of hours in a in an attempt to have us not be sick or at least get better quicker. This is relevant for when we exercise. By by definition, or you know, not necessarily a definition, but exercise will cause damage to our cells our muscles our tissues and the whole point of training the whole point of pushing ourselves and looking at the idea of progressive overload or getting bigger faster stronger it's that we cause some localized damage some localized inflammation so that we can recover from it inflammation itself is not a bad thing it's just a fact of life that if you're an athlete when you exercise if it's high intensity or steady state prolonged, you're getting a big hepcidin response because you're incurring some degree of inflammation. That hepcidin burst can last for about three to six hours. So if you look at the time of day when most athletes train, whether it be early morning, midday, the weekends, there's a good chance at a high degree of the day where you consume food, your capacity to absorb iron is cut off anyway, which is really interesting and definitely worth paying attention to so you you go again and you have someone who trains twice a day again it's twice the problem it's multiple hepcidin bursts you're spending most of your postprandial period unable to absorb any of that iron we can go into this further and what has come out in research is that if you exercise in a fasted or in a low carb state what can happen is that hepcidin burst is exaggerated yet again still because the inflammatory response is that much bigger. So if you're someone who's struggling with iron problems, like really struggling to meet your requirements, fasted training might not be the smartest move for you. So that's that's really the main, the main part of exercise that destroys your ability to keep your iron levels up. Some other minor factors would be in that increased sweat loss, of course, foot strike hemolysis. So if you ever look at your foot or if you have small children, if you look at their feet, they're nice and red underneath them. That's because they're full of blood. And when you land on your heels or your foot, there's typically a degree of impact that destroys red blood cells. The impact actually causes them to rupture. And that is called hemolysis blood cells being cut basically in latin and that can increase the i suppose the frequency at which we lose red blood cells compared to if we didn't exercise didn't run didn't have any foot striking so that's that's important to note i had mentioned some gi losses when you exercise you lose blood supply to your guts that can cause some damage it can cause some um I don't want to say the word perforation because that's not really a fair reflection, but your the the walls in your intestines become a little permeable and it's temporary. 
that can cause a little bit of bleeding just there's there's thermal damage happening there this doesn't happen to everybody and it's it's very it's very mild for the most part when it does happen but that is a factor for sure so those are the those are the main players here sweat losses foot striking hepcidin bursts diet making it hard to manage this diurnal variations in iron metabolism and how it's governed so it's not an easy picture to manage and the question i often get is should i take an iron supplement and the only indication is to take a proper iron supplement so something like galfer or ferrograd c which have about 100 milligrams of elemental iron are doing a blood test and seeing where your ferritin levels are at if your ferritin is below 30 that is an indication to take an iron supplement this isn't medical advice this is just general for proper info and tailored info on this you probably need to be talking to someone like me in a one-to-one capacity with your gp with your sports physician and you should probably always have a blood test before you decide i'm going to take iron with the exception of if you are a plant-based athlete and you know for a fact i'm coming nowhere near my requirements here plant-based athlete female plant-based athletes your requirements could be north of 30 milligrams a day when we factor in bioavailability and increased requirements so just to shoot off the numbers quickly men need somewhere between eight and nine milligrams a day and that's omnivorous men so you could be looking at somewhere around the 14 to 16 mark for plant-based men females need around 14 to 15 milligrams a day teenage girls needing around 18 plant-based female athletes need to be north of 30 to meet your full requirements again when bioavailability is taken into account that is nigh on impossible to do with diet and it's well acknowledged that if you are deficient the minimum therapeutic dose is 50 milligrams a day which is virtually impossible to meet with diet and no research has ever shown that diet has or hasn't improved iron deficiency because it's never been attempted simply because it is impossible to do so so that that research will never come out because it's it would be ridiculous to try it they surmise it would take a minimum of two years for someone to recover from iron deficiency with diet and that that diet is not something you would want to live with so if you find yourself you know needing supplementation some strategies to look at would be first thing in the morning so you're not working against your natural hepcidin rise during the day and interestingly enough every other day supplementation so every second day can result in better hemoglobin responses and less stomach issues uh, compared to everyday supplementation and one of the main reasons for this is when you supplement every second day you do not get the same level of a hepcidin response um recall iron metabolism is tightly regulated so it's it's partly for this reason that that every second day supplementation protocol can really really be beneficial if if you are falling into that plant-based bracket sometimes a tonic like your your spatone active iron floridix again this this isn't product placement they're just kind of the ones that are coming to mind those aren't very strongly dosed so if if you do a dietary assessment with someone like me or another nutrition professional and you know you're falling some way short 
I would still recommend doing a blood test. And if your levels are okay, that's an okay product to use, or those are okay products to use to kind of keep yourself ticking over for the most part. Other practical tips, if you're looking to stave off iron deficiency or anemia, follow a relatively balanced diet and just pay credence to where and when you're getting your iron rich foods. Try to get them earlier in the day. So fortified cereals like bran flakes of about 10 milligrams of iron. Compare that to a piece of beef, which has about six. Um, it's, it's interesting. They actually come out similar enough in terms of what you get out of it. Um, make sure you're including your vitamin C sources. Think about where during the day in relation to a training session, you're spacing those iron rich foods. Try not to have them right after a session. Try give it some time. If, if it's a struggle for you, don't train fasted and make sure you're covering your B vitamins. So with uh, either some dairy or fortified dairy two or three times a day, some cereals, some grains, get your mixed nuts in. If you're plant-based, go for your nutritional yeast, go for your soy milks, go for those green veggies. And that's really all there is to it. I realized that with the structure or the lack of structure in this episode, the flow mightn't have been, uh, you know, high in production. But I hope I hope I touched on every relevant point here. I think I did. What is iron? What causes it to go down? What is different for athletes compared to non-athletes? Plant-based versus non-plant-based, heme versus non-heme. Yeah, I think I got it all. If you've listened this far, number one, fair play. Number two, thank you for being a, I'm assuming, frequent uh, flyer with the podcast. The feedback I've gotten to date has been great, which is very encouraging. I think I'm going to keep making this podcast. I have a few episodes in the pipelines. Just getting the time to do it is the big thing for me. Um, So if you enjoyed this episode, please let a friend know, share it, like it, tag it, tag me, leave a review, do all that jazz. And if this is something you are struggling with and you think, hmm, I could do with Evan's help here. If that's what you're thinking, book into the clinic. The link is in the show notes. Maybe do a blood test. So we're not playing in the dark when we when we come to talk and we can actually see where you're at and act accordingly. And just again, I couldn't reiterate this enough. Do not do prophylactic iron supplementation to prevent iron deficiency anemia happening. That is not how that works, uh, with the exception of those who are plant-based and they're taking it to meet their needs. If you are omnivorous, taking iron will not make any difference to you. It's not beneficial for performance if your iron levels are already in range. You're just getting too much iron and it, it's just all you're doing is pain for a very likely stomach pain. That's about it. Um, that's probably a good note to end this show on. As always, guys... Until the next time, thanks for listening. up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.